Welcome back to Inciting Incident. I am Pedro. I'm here with Vili. What's up? And Alex. Hello. And this episode might be a little bit different because we saw the film in question in uh, late October, early December, <laughs> late November, early December. And uh, the episode might only be coming out at the end of December for Christmas time. The film that we saw this week was Knives Out, Glass Onion. And uh, yeah, so why don't we get our just surface level opinions right out of the way before we do a little bit of a, of a summary of the plot. Personally, I thought it was a fine movie. There were some very funny moments. I enjoyed it. I give it like a 7 out of 10. I'll give it a similar score. It's a very fine addition to the ever-growing nice out universe. Uh, enjoyable film throughout and throughout. What about you, Alex? Same. Enjoyed it. And honestly, remembering all the scoring that I gave to every movie, I'm like, uh, I'm just, you know... Uh, so it's 7.5 for me. 7.5? <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I like I loved it, but the first one was better. But we'll talk about it later. Mm, so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so okay, so we all kind of like agree. Around a 7, good movie, good addition to the Knives Out thing. Um, so why don't we get a little bit of a summary going? So Billy, do you want to help us out with that? Yeah, well, so the Knives Out 2 is a sequel to Knives Out 1, unsurprisingly. Uh, so That's this crazy. Is, this is a film about a group of people who know each other relatively well, or maybe not all of them know each other, and they get on a boat and they go into an island and everything goes, no, wait, that's the menu. Oh, <laughs> nice, anyway. nice. <laughs> Anyway, so Knives Out is just another uh, a sequel mystery to the Benoit Blanc uh, story with Daniel Craig. He's very good in this Benoit role. Benoit Blanc. Yeah. Uh, we, I do enjoy the, the approach that this series has taken to be a sort of like a anthology film series where every single, um, uh, what do you call it, addition into the franchise is just a completely unrelated mystery. And the only like connecting tissue is the Benoit Blanc character Benoit Blanc yeah Benoit Blanc yeah, Benoit, uh, Benoit. Uh, personally I think it's just Ryan Johnston's excuse to work with literally every person in the world but <laughs> I mean who can blame the guy yep yeah no I think I think your point about it being an anthology series supporting it making it better is spot on like I think if they try to you know pull some strings to make it uh, like a direct sequel from the original Knives Out would have been a bit weird but having the same character with Benoit Blanc, putting him in a different position, but still in a way that he gets to do the same things that he was so good for, is like, that's a fucking home run. I love that shit. Brilliant, brilliant. Same uh, agreeing with both of you. I, I, I think they will not even be able to, to properly do the, the sequel for the first story. Hmm. So, yeah, but the w one thing, and it's only me problem... Uh, Daniel Craig and his like the way he speaks mm. um, um, now. Oh, it's like just a Kentucky so, so, accent. Yeah. Sometimes, like when he goes into like long monologue, I'm like lost in words. Oh, you can't you can't understand it, or you don't like it. No, 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 can't understand sometimes. Like oh. so uh. when he, when he goes into like long. Like, so is it speech. With, with subtitles? Would it be an eight? No, no, I, no, I still got everything, but nah, yeah. no. That's just my, my thing. I think it's funny because it's recognizable as a, the Kentucky accent. In the first movie, they're like, what is the CSI KFC? <laughs> do you remember that? Line? I don't remember that, but yeah. I, do see, I do see what you're saying, and I agree. It's very recognizable as like kind of like the Southern, you know, like mm. 
the draw southern posh. Yeah, exactly. But I just so don't know. Obviously, like complimenting Daniel Craig on his acting abilities, that's well, a bit redundant. He's uh, great. You uh, know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah, and uh, just a little addition for me not understanding stuff in this movie. Uh, so when Edward Norton was speaking, I was like, I don't understand some of the words. <laughs> and later on, we'll speak about it. Like Daniel Craig says, that's not the fucking words. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's not me. <laughs> Bro, words are just uh, complicated airflow, wasn't it? Oh. They don't actually mean anything. Damn, bro. Uh, what, was I, watch what was I going to say? Yeah, I was looking at the <laughs> a Ryan Johnson interview that he did, uh, just reading up for this podcast, and apparently his original plan was to have uh, Benoit Blanc inexplicably or inexplainably use a different accent in every single movie for no reason. He'd just be for from real? Kentucky the first movie, and then Canada in the next one. That's so funny. That would be fun. I feel like that yeah. would have been like, uh, that would have like broken the one element that is like, keeping all these films yeah, together like probably. consistent throughout the universe yeah but the, i think both of the films like they're not taking themselves seriously no oh they are no, no. oh this is interesting uh alex why don't you elaborate on that first okay that just uh, how i see both of them like from even the cinematography perspective because some like some of the scenes are kind of they they look great but they're kind of silly like in first one with the grandma scene and it was the important scene yeah of course but it, it was you know when i was watching i was like oh, what, what the fuck is but going yeah. on you can see like ryan johnson's like style he's you know he's having fun it's like and goofy. He wants to, exactly and he wants to make sure that we're having fun through this kind of like goofy atmosphere you know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, I don't think... So which one of you was it that said they're not taking themselves seriously? Because I think they're totally... Like, they're not uh, putting a serious tone on the movies, but the films themselves are, like, tremendously invested in making for an entertaining experience. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I... I'm not saying that film is bad. I'm saying that the tone of the film is, like, kind of uh, goofy-ish. Yeah. Because all the f characters in this, like, were the um, stereotypes, like... Batista guy, like, be goofy, mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. boner pills, how yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Model, like, I was like, ah. Yeah. It was a very interesting character. Yeah. But and I would I, even say, like, before we move on from the taking seriously point, I'd even say the movie itself doesn't take itself too seriously. Because, like, there are some moments where information is delivered in a way that if you are taking it seriously, you'd be like, that's bullshit. That's too contrived. That's too, like, convenient. But in a film that, like, you know, lends itself to just suspending disbelief and you'd be like oh, that's that's fun that's Funny. fine you and know? the like i love the first movie and i in the second one of the twist was i, I fucking hated it honestly mm. one of the twists. Uh, we're gonna do spoilers in yeah. the episode so go ahead if there's something oh, specific. Uh, okay uh the the twist with the book and the girl not dying from the bullet yeah that was a bit yeah. i was like fuck i'll you. say though this is something we talk about in uh, screenwriting a lot that the uh there was sex machina no the no suspension of Suspension of disbelief. So, like, the amount of, like, stuff that the audience is willing to accept. And if you make a serious murder mystery, it's maybe a little bit. If you kill it, someone with poison or whatnot, it's a bit like, eh, it can't be anything too absurd. When it's a comedy, when it's outright, like, just making fun of everything, you can do much more. I feel like Ryan Johnson is really thriving in that environment when he can do whatever the fuck he wants with his characters. No, 100%. Honestly, what I was thinking that will happen when, when she was like, she's not dead. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking she put on the vest on on herself because of the scene uh, on the balcony when yeah. they were talking and she's like, is it safe? She was like, no. 
you yeah. will not be safe there because the killer will be there. And I was like, oh, maybe she remembers that. And she put on a vest just in case. Yeah, yeah, I thought the same. Uh, yeah, it made sense, yeah. But the, the fucking book, yeah, that, like right. the sisters saved that her. I was like, was fuck. Bullshit. I, think, like I think that's one of those things where it just got pushed a little too far. I feel like the original Knives Out didn't have a... No, it, they didn't didn't have like any of this kind of... Like the like the threat of like how it all holds together is so thin. It's kind of like in the we're not going to spoil Game of Thrones, but all right, the first Knives Out. So yeah. it's this grandma mumbling the exact right thing at the exact right time that like cracks the entire case, and that's just eh. Like, I and I think in the first Knives Out they did have one moment that I was like, what the fuck? Which is when he stabs her, and it was like a toy knife. Yeah, but you know, in like we said, these are these are comedies. Yeah, yeah. These are comedies, you know. So like, we we forgive a lot more, and we did laugh. I'll say that yeah. I, I laughed more at this funny. film than any other film over the blah 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 last year, probably. I agree. Very On funny. On knives, knives, knives out too. Knives out too. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I laughed once. once. You laughed once. Yeah. It's such a serious little blokey, bro. Such time. So okay, that's 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 interesting to like get us talking a little bit about the plot because you rated it highly. But he didn't find it that funny. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like what I, were the I, strong I, points? I, in I your enjoyed opinion? the detective thing, but at the same time, it was not as good again as in the first one. Uh, the main reason for that is if you watch the first one, you can figure all everything out by yourself without help of Daniel Craig. But in the second one, you can't do that. And I think the reason for that is because in the first movie, the main character was the girl and you you were seeing the world through her eyes. Mm. But in the second one, and that's why you knew all the information, all the key points that you need to know to solve the mystery. Mm. But in the second one, the main character is Daniel Craig and you see the world through his eyes, basically. And some of the things that Daniel Craig notices, you don't know until he reveals them. I would disagree on that point just to say I don't think we see in either of these films we see it through the point of view of Daniel Craig because he comes into the movie and you think he doesn't know anything and then at the midpoint you realize he actually knows everything and it's a very select sort of image that we've been given so there's a very strong like passive observer throughout this entire film No, no, I'm saying the first one was portrayed by the girl but the second one then who is the main character if not the Daniel Craig? For a little bit, the first one, when they when there's a couple of scenes where it's from the point of view of Anna de Ormes, but after that, it's switched back. Anna de Ormes? Anna de Ormes is the... Yeah, the, the maid character. Is the, the lead character the of Knives Out. Oh, yeah, the, the first, first one. Yeah, ah, the yeah, first yeah, the one. Yeah, I was like... Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no, a couple no, no. of scenes from her point of view. Yeah, period. yeah. But the... Oh, okay, in the second one, the first half was Daniel Craig. The second half was the... Anya or Anna? Anna. Anna, yeah. I think. Um, I think, I'm not going to lie to you, I think Alex is right on this one. Um, we start the film, the first Knives Out, in Anna Diarmas, uh, her house. You know, we're uh, we're with her while she's with Chris Evans in the cafe and shit. So I do think there's a lot more POV on her in the first film. But I don't want to talk too much about the first film because it's obviously about the second yeah. film. What I will say, <clears throat> and one thing that did uh, stand out to me between the first one and the second one, is that you definitely could solve the mystery, like Alex said, just with what you're seeing on the screen for the first one. For the second one, they kind of like change around what the mystery is in a way that you can only solve it once you are, you know, once you are, exactly, once you're given the information that Daniel Crave gives us. Because 
while they're at the island, the, the mystery that they're giving us or the mystery that they are proposing is who is trying to kill the Ed Norton character. Mm. But in the end, the actual mystery was who killed this, uh, this one character. I don't know the actress's name. Do you guys know? The Anna character? No, in the, the second Andy film. One. The Andy one? That's, yeah, who that's, killed Andy? That's yeah. uh, Janelle Monáe. Janelle Monáe, yes, thank you. So who killed uh, Janelle Monáe's character in the second one? But we only find out that that's actually the mystery halfway through the movie when they do a big flashback and then the whole story gets recontextualized. So it's a cool device, but at the same time, there isn't much you know, to indicate that that would actually be the, the mystery. Mm. So in my opinion, that does kind of feel a bit cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and they did flashback and a flashback, which... Flashback and a flashback and a flashback and a flashback. But I will say, just uh, this is the last thing I'll say about the first Knives Out, but they do the exact same thing at the midpoint. They solve the crime. Yeah. She killed him. And then it goes back to, oh, there's a mystery beneath the mystery. And it's like it's like a donut. And inside the donut is another donut. And oh. like, remember that entire yeah. thing. And the the one last thing for me, Anna Dermas is beautiful. Thanks, Alex. I, I can either confirm nor deny the uh, the uh, statement, the statement yeah. that has just occurred in the uh, courtroom. Let's continue. Pedro, what did you think about the knife sound? I think knife sound was great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's... No, 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 taking uh, it seriously, taking it seriously. Like, um, I think if I was to say my favorite parts of the film, as I said already, the comedy was really fucking good. Mm. Like, especially at the start, uh, the the visual comedy that Ryan Johnson delivers oh. is amazing. Like the scene that they're all trying to open the box together yeah. and you get like this split screen and uh, the assistant characters like putting on a fire, yeah. you know, and somebody says something. I just, the whole film, the the cinema itself was like laughing throughout because yeah. it was genuinely, very, uh, it it was was very genuinely a very funny movie, you know? So that was my favorite part about it. Yeah, I missed that part. Yeah, so yeah. that's why I, uh, <laughs> I wasn't I'll laughing. say uh, in one of the previous episodes, uh, we were talking about subtext. <laughs> do you guys remember this on the menu episode we were talking yeah. about subtext oh, and so long ago yeah, man. and how uh how the menu does subtext wrong i feel like knives out too is a perfect film that does subtext but the subtext is a sort of like inherent understanding of the genre and this type of film and what makes it entertaining mm-hmm. and the subtext is pretty much on the surface what ryan Johnson is essentially doing is saying, I know you paid money to come see a murder mystery, and I'm going to give you one, and I'm going to make it as fucking fun as possible. I'm not just going to give you one murder mystery. I'm going to give you two or three. Mm. I'm going to have twists and turns. I'm going to have the big revelation at the end. I'm going to have all this shit. I like this film. Uh, yeah. I no, like no, this film. I, 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 liked, I liked it yeah. very much. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I will watch it in Russian. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Benoit Blanc. No, but yeah, um, good uh, good thing you talked a little bit about subtext because even though this one has uh, like some surface level, like just enjoyable subtext that we can see, you know, just obviously Ryan Johnson having fun with the genre, we can also talk a little bit about like deeper societal sub subtexts. So, for example, when we talk, uh, one of the characters is a politician that is being lobbied by this billionaire. Mm. We have one character who's a scientist who is obviously being influenced by this billionaire. Mm. And then you have this YouTuber, this Twitch personality, Twitch yeah, Twitch streamer, who is also being lobbied by the billionaire. And we can kind of like see this thread. It is making a very like simple, but effective in my opinion, social commentary, which is billionaires have too much fucking power. 
when they don't actually deserve that much fucking power. Because when we get into the billionaire character, which is Ed Norton, he's actually a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Like he stole, he didn't steal his wealth, but like he he cheated somebody out of their wealth for him to become this rich. Yeah. And um, when we break down his master plan to keep keep his wealth to like protect himself, like Benoit Blanc's character, uh, like Benoit Blanc says, it's very dumb. Like he gets the words wrong, like Alex said earlier. His plan is fucking silly. He murders someone with allergies, like it's <laughs> with poison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and the other thing that also Daniel Craig said that he doesn't do anything by himself. Like everything, and I think this. I'm like not into the all this like news about uh, <coughs> the billionaires, but I like most of them there's like speculations that most of them are did the same thing someone invented something and they just took the reins and yeah. say that this is my thing right yeah now. so yeah i think this is like kind I, of i think this is a, i agree with everything you guys are saying but i don't think we should talk of this uh subtext because it literally wears that heart on its sleeve what is that saying wear your heart on your sleeve right? like it's literally on yeah. the surface and you yeah. can see all this and it it, it does the I think it's fantastic that you can like sort of make this commentary, but it's not preaching anyway. But mm. it's made into a comedy. It's kind of like a yeah, it's just made into a comedy. That's yeah. like all I have to do to yeah. explain. No, that. I think and I think you're right. And I think actually you ex kind of expanded my point of view. I don't think yeah, actually I don't think it's precisely subtext. Is just uptext. It's uptext, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think you you could go deeper, but because the all the characters are like different parts of society, like from actress, uh, science, government, everything is like, and... Do you guys, sorry to interrupt you, but this film is basically the menu done right. So on the menu episode, we asked, we all tried to answer, how would you rewrite the menu? I would just write knives out, that's it. Yeah. That literally does everything. Yeah. It like tries to do the exact same thing and somehow it just manages to do it 600 times better. Yeah. Like I was going to say, uh, that's actually a very good point. Uh, one of the things that I mentioned in the menu episode was how it lacked a genre. I think it leaned, if the menu had yes. leaned into the ridiculousness of uh, of it, it would have been so much better. Yeah. And this movie really leans into the ridiculousness of it in a way that it works. So yeah. we end up with actually a funny movie that feels kind of tight and it's just, you know, it works. You know what I mean? It's all about the genre. It's all about the murder mystery. And when you just, when you're, the identity of your film is so clear, you know, you're just here to entertain people two hours, 20 minutes. You have to give them a good mystery. Then whatever you do on the backstage, whatever you like slip into that, nobody gives a shit. As long as they're having fun. Whoever wrote the menu, I'm sorry, just take notes. And Shake. honestly, I would like watch uh, Knives Out like every year if they would do that. Because I, I love this kind of, this type of films. And I understand that it, it will be kind of impossible to do that every year to write the yeah. script that works and like all the threats and to film it and everything, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you might be getting a lot because they're now secured for such a long, like you oh, guys know I, I ne hope. Netflix bought this. Did they actually? Oh yeah, they did. Of course. Do you know yeah, how yeah. much they paid for Knives Out? How oh. much? 400 million for Knives Out. No, guys. Damn. Oh, I, honestly, I'm glad. I hope they will do something, you know, like a TV, sh like, like a TV show. Ah, no, 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 no. We're not going to do the Knives Out cinematic universe. Not just yet. One movie every two years. No, 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 no. Not like, like they film, they will film like eight films basically and give us as a TV show. 
I think I think it works like this. Like every few years, a new Knives Out type of film. Mm. Obviously, you need. So we avoid kind of like uh, that Marvel Star Wars every fucking year a new project type thing because then Ryan Johnson is gonna be fucking drained, dude. Yeah. But if they if they keep going with enough care and enough passion behind it to make coherent films like this, it could work as a pretty long anthology. I think uh, Ryan Johnson. I follow him on Twitter, and he's a lot. He tweets a lot about the New York Times crosswords and stuff like that. I just think he really loves the mystery, and I think writing something like Knives Out, it doesn't feel like work because it doesn't have that burdensome, burdensome subtext. It doesn't like have to take itself too seriously. I feel like he's just having fun, even when he's shooting it. I feel like he's just having fucking fun. Did Daniel Craig said said that line in the movie? The what? Like that he loves the crossword time he puzzle. Did. He did. Yeah. Couldn't, he could have. Daniel Craig's yeah. character is always doing like puzzles and shit. Yeah, and he was playing Among Us. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. <laughs> Quite funny as well. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, this movie just nails it. But I feel like we've talked a lot about the positives. Can you guys think of any negatives? Besides the dumb twist that could be i kind of kind of understand why they did that it's like sister saved her because it was her journal oh and something like that mm. and and it it don't uh, stick out in this movie like it's not like a sore eye right but i was like still uh, anything besides that guys yeah, I don't think this film should really be shat on as... I feel like this is just, bro, a bunch of people said, you know, we got 400 million, let's go to Greece. Doesn't matter what the fuck we make, let's just have fun. There's nothing not fun in this film. Like, the visuals, yeah. the performances, the, like, exaggerated performances, the characters, location, shooting style, colors. It's just fun. Like, nothing is there felt like it was forced or that someone had to sit in a dark office and go like oh how are we gonna crack this yeah one of the things that i was uh, starting to feel a little bit annoyed at the film but they wrapped it up in the end quite nicely was that one character would just like would pop in you Which know oh, the, the, the stoner, stoner guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was, guy like, was random not bro. really connected to anything at first he was funny when he showed up doing the same joke for the third time i was like all right bro whatever but then at the end he was smoking with uh, Daniel Benoit. Craig. I was like, yo, this is great. <laughs> Benoit Blanco. So it's it's crazy because it's kind of rare for a film to get it this right. Even the things that are repetitive, they do it repetitive to a point where it like it becomes a bit absurd in a funny way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kind of like in the JoJo rapid that scene. Yes. Where the Nazis coming yes. to the house and they're yes. all like, ha, ha, ha. And That's exactly, oh. yeah. It's like yeah. a two minute thing. But let's not I, go I, into no, that. I, I know. I, you don't I, like I know. That. Yeah. yeah no. Let's not get into that. Uh, one thing that I would say that is not necessarily a massive negative but one thing that i did latch on to was the emotional resolution i think this movie just stacks so many like things on top of things and plots on top of subplots and shit like that that you kind of miss when the actual emotional resolution of the film comes mm -hmm. and i guess it's at the point where they spoilers again they burn the mona lisa and they fuck up the entire he's like thing and he kind of like even Two seconds before it happens, you cannot really see that that's what's going to happen. And it comes so suddenly and it goes so fast that you didn't really have time to realize that, oh, this is like the emotional heart of the movie. This is what I should really pay attention and focus on. Whereas with the Knives Out thing, the Ana de Armas, her like standing on the balcony with the mug that says, my house, my rules. That's like, yeah, like yeah. banging. The, the other question, uh, was there a plan of breaking glass? Why? No, the breaking class was just that they couldn't 
I, I think the, the, the movie was at a sort of a stalemate that they couldn't actually like get the Ed Norton character for anything. So they just got mad and decided to take it out and fucking everything up oh, okay. and destroying the entire studio. And that, that's kind of cheap. Yeah, yeah, because I was, sorry, I just, uh, I was thinking there is a plan behind breaking the glass. No. Like it will fuck up the um, like uh, uh, alarm system or right. stuff, something like that. Yeah. And one and thing, uh, sorry to interrupt, like one thing that I do need to say about the one specific scene is like the film itself doesn't take itself too seriously. So it's kind of hard to comment on the characters being like too consistent. Mm. But Ed Norton had a gun. Everybody's breaking his shit right in front of him. He murdered two people already. So for me, that part where he just like stands by and let them do whatever they want. To me, I was a little bit like he didn't have the gun. He dropped it. After did he uh, drop? Yeah, because yeah. after the after he killed killed, yeah. I, I did the records for the listeners. Um, he dropped the gun. Okay, but still, he was willing to murder someone, mm. and you know he's a bigger guy than uh, the other character. He he could have like tried something, and the other characters at this point at least they were still all kind of like afraid of him. They were all still like. Ooh, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to go against him. It was only afterwards when they all kind of agreed with her, but that's when they were at the staircase. Anyways, the fact that he didn't do anything to prevent that did for me kind of like take me out of it. I was like, oh, okay, like what is he doing? Like you mean the scene with the breaking the glass? Yeah, exactly. No, but I think the it's everything like he the character was like played perfectly because at, at first he. He's a billionaire. He doesn't care. Yeah. And the other guys start rebelling during that phase. They like, they wanted to, uh, like, like Willy said, to get their anger out on, not maybe not on him, but on his stuff. And the thing that he couldn't do anything because if he would like kill this, like uh, the Anna character, uh, I think this would be like, he understood that this would be a tipping point for others to go against them. And even though he's a billionaire, uh, the other guys is also like kind of big. Mm. And I think it would be kind of noticeable if like um, politician, scientist, like Twitch streamer die on the island that owned by a millionaire or yeah. billionaire. And then he'd have to kill Daniel Craig's character as well. And then what would it be? It would be just one dude alive in the island. And he's like, oh, I don't know who killed all these dudes. <laughs> no, I, I see what you're saying, but I still disagree. Like, because cause here's the thing. No, like, I understand what you're saying. But when she was going to try to burn the Mona Lisa, he tried to stop her. He only failed to stop her. So, like, it's clearly showing that he does have some things that he wants to protect. Obviously, when we bring it back to like the billionaire comparison, he's trying to protect his wealth. You know what I mean? So it, the fact that he uh, waited... Mona Lisa is not wealth. Yeah, it's his it's yeah. legacy. Yeah. It's no, like legacy. No, it's no, no, no. Dude, art is such like a like an easy like stand-in for, you know, wealth, tax, no, laundry. Yeah, but shit. for him, it wasn't that. For him, it was something like more... Because he, he had a story that his like mother... Uh, when they went to Paris, he first saw the Mona Lisa and he wanted to be something like Mona Lisa, like legacy, something uh, 
uh, immortal, mm, like paintings. Be, what what did you say? Is like want to be spoken of in the same sentence as the Mona Lisa? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the last line she said, like you will be spoken like like in the same sentence with Mona Lisa because you were the one that destroyed it. Okay. Because your creation destroyed Mona Lisa. I see what you're saying. So like they're in a different level. Type yeah. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think the fact that we're just arguing about this just means that it wasn't really coherent in the story, like what the actual. Because my interpretation was that he wanted to protect the Mona Lisa because he didn't actually own the Mona Lisa that was on loan and he was worried that if he burned that then people would see that his invention which burned the Mona Lisa is a failure and he was going to be a failure and his business was going to fail which is what the Jamie Chadwick yeah, character that, told him at the end. That's, the, uh, that's what I said now? Yeah. yeah. I agree with you but oh. we don't agree with Pedro. So oh. I think I don't think that's... No, but I see what you're saying. Well, like it's, I, it's a valid point. I don't think you're wrong either but I think this is a movie like there's so many strands in this movie if we go back and we like uh, like what is this character thinking at that point it, probably there's yeah. a lot of like plot holes there's Dude, a lot of plot yeah. holes and that's why like I started this by saying it's hard to like get this and be like oh this wasn't coherent enough because the film from the start is clearly like you said Ryan Johnson having fun so like yeah. if we bring it back to like oh this character should have done this like nah bro shut the fuck up it's not as fun and I think the other thing is like <laughs> I think you notice that we don't like uh, I I remember one part, but don't remember other, and you you were the same. Mm -hmm. And I think because the the movie is like is full of information, like visual, uh, textual, like sound. There's like different sounds at every point, yeah. like the sound of gong, the sound of Mona Lisa door trapping, uh, like, and it's the the movie is full of that type of things that you should just you, you keep in track of that in yeah. your head. Yeah, I feel like this definitely feels a bit more first draft than the original Knives Out. Because the original Knives Out, well, it's been three years since I've seen it, and we could all kind of recite like what happens in the movie, at least the biggest plot points and whatnot. For this one, it's a bit... Uh, I feel like this one just sort of kind of runs on momentum, and he builds up such a momentum. So many things are like going on, and you can't really stop and think, does this make sense? Because everything is happening so fast, and by the time it's over, you don't remember. Right. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Fair but enough. It's, it's good. It's still yeah. the same purpose. Of, we're having fun. Like it doesn't have to. Nobody has to do like a philosophical thesis on this and be like, Arr! which is yeah. exactly what you were saying, Petra. Like, yeah. It's uh, just fun. And I, I think yeah, it will be like not not dumb, but overkill. Like to dissect this, uh, yeah, like every character, every scene is like, no, you. This is the movie. This is the burger movie. The burger movie. Hell the burger oh, movie. Great way of putting it. Yeah. No, that's yeah. absolutely. Yeah, this is the movie that the menu wishes that he would be. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, it's been a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's there, great time? Yeah, there's definitely like a lot less to argue about in this film because we all kind of agree. The moment that you, you know, as a filmmaker, you decide what you want to do, and you do it in a way that you're true to yourself instead of like trying to serve this like abstract subtext about something that you don't really know too well about yeah. you end up with a much better product you I know what i mean 100 agree i think ryan johnson is a filmmaker i'm a big fan of his i think he's like physically allergic to subtext because even his star wars film which was like very hated not a lot of people liked it. what what was his star wars? Uh, uh, last eight, jedi eight yeah, yeah last episode jedi. eight i don't feel like i don't feel like because the episode nine and episode seven and they're just trying to like do this like mythology and like subtext and all these like really trying to build it into something bigger than life i feel like episode eight you can just take it at face value like this is literally he's just giving you a thing and the only reason why I feel like people are mad is because you cannot throw your own interpretation on that, which yeah. 
Like, uh, yeah, at the risk of this ending, ending up becoming like a <laughs> Star ending. Wars thingy, like a Star Wars episode, the, the problem with that thing is literally it doesn't fit. You know what I mean? It's good. It's better by itself. You know what I mean? If you watch it as a part of a series where you actually have to like collaborate with the people coming before you and coming after you, then it's a bit of an issue. Yeah, you really. can't just have the fuck it, let's have fun type of vibes if it's a series. But if it's an anthology series where each story is by itself, it's that's a different story. I'll just say about that specific series. It's not like this series had a plan to begin with. So yeah, it's not really... I don't know who fumbled the bag on that one. I don't think it was Ryan Johnson. Here's Mickey one question. Mouse, bro. <laughs> was that Mickey <laughs> money that corrupted everyone? Anyway, uh, there was one question because obviously, so story, theme, whatever, just watch this film. You're going to love it, whatnot. I feel like we should retarget the conversation around the aesthetics. I saw someone tweet that this now looks like a Netflix film as opposed to a film film. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, honestly, I I loved it. It, it the first was again to the like to the first, but I loved the the color scheme mm-hmm. in the yeah. first one, and it's different but still recognizable. The first and second they have like distinguishable color scheme and it's recognizable and I don't un- quite understand what like the person on Twitter no, meant by no, Netflix like it was cheap but I don't think it's like it was here's, here's what I'll say first off trigger warning I'm, ag- I'm about to get very pretentious but like <laughs> when we think about the French revolution in films wow stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no but for real um, they did crazy shit that nobody had seen before and I'm sure they got their cr- like Wait, share of criticism. Back you meant French New Wave? Yeah, yeah. Like French the French Revolution. Revolution. It's the uh, Civil War, bro. Yeah, I was no, like, no, The dude. French Revolution of film, the French New Wave. That's not a thing. Uh, yeah. Well, it is a thing now, baby. <laughs> Anyways, the French New Wave. They were pulling out like different things that nobody had seen before. And I can guarantee you, back in the day, they got, they got their own like share of criticism. We're kind of going into a new era of cinema, which in my opinion isn't great with like the whole streaming platforms. But it is the direction that we're going. Mm. And films that are starting to kind of like capitalize on that aesthetic, films that are starting to do things that kind of push us in a new direction are going to get their share of criticism. When you boil down that tweet like, oh, this just looks like a Netflix film, basically this looks like a film that you haven't really, you know, this doesn't look like the films that you're used to. But and that's it. Wh- no. I don't think that's a valid critique. What what does it mean? Like, is it is it th- th- does the film look cheap or like in some kind of different style? I think it looks overly produced. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like overblown colors and flat. But I, I will say no, I, because I looked into this now. So, knives out one, knives out two. Same camera, same lenses, same DOP, same production designer. Is literally the same team. So it's not like anything physically changed. Also, the demands for Netflix to show films and blah, blah, blah. Nothing into that. Nothing like that comes into fold at any point. So the visual language of Knives Out 2 is its own thing. But I don't know. People are saying it looks Netflix. Maybe it's because they they look at the first one and the first one was mainly in the mansion. Yeah. And the second one is on island. It's dark and gloomy. And yeah, there is sun, most of the scenes, and they like, oh... So I guess the lighting is a bit more flatter. I guess uh, parts of it, like the CGI of the class honey in itself, uh, like the big building. Oh, yeah. The building, that, that was a bit, uh, I think, a bit overdone. Who said that? Overproduced? Yeah, overly produced. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, I agree with, with what you guys are saying. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's a different aesthetic and specifically for the purpose of Netflix. 
and it might be like overly produced. Yeah, no, I don't think CGI. it's at all for the purpose of Netflix. Uh, not even zero percent. I don't think. I don't think anyone said let's I make th- it for Netflix. Mm, I don't know about that. I think it is um, like uh, here's the thing. Like yeah, it's the same character. Uh, not characters. It's the same uh, camera. Uh. It's the same like uh, like artistic design and all that shit. But the way that it was shot, I can definitely see how that's more like like an inoffensive visual visual uh, I don't think that's perfect. So, but if you watch some of these, so you would compare that to something like uh, Bridge Return, for example, right? The k- kind of, n- not to say it's the same, but mm-hmm. like, I guess that's what the connection that your brain is making. But there's also like Darker, like Dark, the Netflix show. Yeah. If you look at the visual language of Dark and you look at the visual language of Knives Out 1, if that film was made for Netflix, that's exactly what people would say is made for Netflix. And mm-hmm. it would, I guess also to add to your point from earlier, it feels cheap in the sense that it's very much just fun. I think yeah. people mistake it and say that it's like dumb fun, kind of like Netflix is doing a lot of just dumb yeah. fun right now. Small thing is just why uh, like it looks like Netflix is the bad thing. That's what I'm saying. It's the not what? a bad thing. Like, like uh, the, the tweet, it looks like Netflix. Yeah. Is a bad thing. Why? That's like at the heart of my point. I first off, like I don't think there is anything wrong with something looking Netflix. That just means that it looks like something that you're not used to, and that's it. You know what I mean? I do think just the like visual complexity of films in the streaming era, in the digital era, has come down a lot. Because you used to shoot on film. Shooting on film is highly expensive. It's highly inefficient. So people would plan their shots and they would make every individual shot pretty. When you're shooting on digital, you can literally, you have unlimited power, you have unlimited memory, and it's free to shoot. It literally costs nothing. So you can see that a lot of lighting is flatter because it doesn't matter if you get it right because you can reshoot it on a green screen and whatnot. That is what fixed in post. Yeah, that was like in, in broad terms. I feel like that's what it means when people say the Netflix look. I feel like Marvel movies have the Netflix look. They're all a bit grayed out. They're all a bit... And yeah. they're, they're not grayed out for the visual language of that film. They're grayed out so that you can watch four of them back to back and see, ah, I see the sort of... Style. Yeah, the style, the cohesion yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's visually inoffensive. Like, it's something that you can just, like, put back to back and it, you're not, like, straining. I, I do much. disagree with you that I, this project, when it is boring, there's a lot of Netflix shit that is very, very lazy. And I feel like it's just because it's shot in a studio. They don't have a lot of money. They have uh, not very experienced crews or whatnot. They don't come from years and years of films like they maybe would have uh, even 10, 20 years ago. That's fair enough. But, like, here's the thing. Here's how I would argue against that. Like, if you have something in a film that is, you know, like a boring studio film, but there is something very good about it in the same way that the comedy, the heart, the style of this film is very good, it brings it apart from the quote-unquote Netflix look. If all you have is the quote-unquote Netflix look, yeah, that's going to look like dog shit. But if you have just that plus something that is stylistically brave, something that is actually really good apart from that, it doesn't really matter too much how it looks. Yeah, I feel like the just what I was saying about the story being like more for fun than for anything serious, I think the Netflix look is not just visual. It's just an overall laziness with the filmmaking process. And this is something that... You can just study. Like, if you go look at a film that has 20% on Rotten Tomatoes from the year 1990, and you look at a film that has 20% on Rotten Tomatoes from 2022, the 2022 film is going to look a lot shitter. Mm. I'm I'm 100% convinced that almost no matter how big your sample size, this is going to be true because people just had to focus before. They couldn't mm. just wing it and wave it and say, yeah, well, let's just do that and do that because every roll of film is 50K or whatnot. Yeah. 
Yep. Alex, do you have anything? You've been quiet for a bit, sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just thinking about good stuff. Uh, good uh, stuff. <laughs> good well, stuff. Share about, some of uh, that good uh, stuff. About this movie, yeah, I like first and second knives out. One good thing about this movie, and like for, we talked uh, about menu like on previous episode, like for example, in first and second knives out, every character is so distinguished. Uh, uh, even if even if if you take just the silhouette or clothes of a person, you will definitely recognize it. Compared to most of the films that we watched, uh, that you, you will you will not. You just every other character is like typical. Yeah, that's basically. a really interesting. Point. You know, there is like uh, in cartoons they say like uh, for cartoon makers they if if it's recognizable by silhouette, then it's a great great design for a character. Mm. Mm. So I, I for for that films like I I think in first I remember like most of the characters and then the second, second the the cast is smaller yeah I think like maybe from COVID or something like that but uh, every everyone is so distinguished and so like good mm. I think it's funny just because you said the cast is smaller it's one hundred percent because of COVID but it's still got like remember Ethan Hawke is in this movie but he's in this movie for like ninety seconds yeah. he just shows up <laughs> what was that about I thought he was the killer and he was gonna show up but he just like yeah. I thought, it'd be in, yeah, I thought it would be important as well, but no. Just, I, th I thought it was quite funny. Yeah, you know that was, scene in Deadpool when they have all this big cast just for it to be like killed, oh, killed yeah. Yeah. in one sequence? Yeah, it's it was kind of like, that was pretty funny. Yeah. I feel like the the nice uh, universe is just going to cast every single person in Hollywood and that's when it will end. Yeah. I think we're going to keep seeing these movies every two, I three hope. years. I, I hope, hope so, so as well, yeah. Because this was fun, like going to the movies... With the menu, you feel like you have to pull out a fucking notepad in the middle of it and be like, oh, yeah, I see yeah. the theme, bro. One thing that we talked about is how Glass Onion is two hours and 20 minutes. Yes. And uh, the the other one. Menu. The menu. Yeah, the menu. That one is an hour and 40 minutes. But the menu felt like a drag. Oh, yeah. For me, it was other way around really? mentally. No, no, no. Like uh -huh. oh, I, fe it felt for me like Glass Onion was faster. But the menu, oh, that's I was what like, you're saying, yeah. That's what yeah, 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 yeah. Like we we left Glass Onion, and we're all like, you know, I was like refreshed. Fair enough. I took a nap in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> I took a nap in the but, beginning. <laughs> yeah, but um, but we all left the menu. I can. I can't speak for you guys, but I left the menu exhausted. You like can speak like, for me. Yo, this was this yeah, was a lot to process. Whereas Glass Onion, just fun. I left like in a good mood. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know what else there is to add to that. Glass Onion, good film. Uh, should we do closing remarks? Yeah, let's, let's do a little closing remarks. I think my closing remarks is... Uh, 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 a recommendation to the rest of the <laughs> of the industry. Please make films that you enjoy making because you can definitely tell, like comparing this film to, I would say, anything else that we saw this year, you can tell that this one is the one that the director was having the most amount of fun, had the most amount of like passion, he was invested into it. So yeah, like if you are a filmmaker, if you are starting in filmmaking, just be sure to, you know, stay true to what you want to tell as a story. Um, I wanted to add like, like sub point for your and uh the detective genre is like kind of not in mainstream maybe maybe there there is films that is filming like right now but they're not on like radar i i love this genre i want more of this type of films yeah so i think i'll add to petra's point as well about um directors or films where it's clear that the director and the people who make the film are enjoying that experience one that stands out to me from this year is nope 
which is one film that these guys haven't yet seen, but we're going to be taking a look at and probably the episode before this, maybe the episode after this. That film also has a cohesive understanding of the type of story that is telling um, what makes it interesting and what it can like sort of reinvent to like keep it fun and like good. I just love Nope. It's such a, it's a very fucking excellent ride in the same sense as Knives Out 2. Thank you guys for being here and thank you guys for watching. We will see you next time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. See you next time. Bye-bye. See you, bud.